0: This message by Jake Simmons was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Jake serves as a pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Well, good morning. Can go ahead and open your Bibles with me to James 2. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to provide you with one. One of our ushers has one. You can just raise your hand and they will bring one to you for you to keep. James chapter 2. We're going to be continuing our James series. James chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through 26. And please look with me now as I have the wonderful privilege to read God's holy and living word to us this morning. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and well fed, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God. Stands forever. Amen? Amen. On this Father's Day, I thought it would be appropriate to begin with some fatherly advice that Dr. Carson gave to us, that he received from his dad, Tom Carson, when he was a young boy reading his Bible. Uh, Bill mentioned this last week, but Dr. Carson, he kicked off our James series for us. He compared what, what many have said is apparent contradiction between Paul's teaching and James' teaching. We looked At Romans 3, 28, where Paul writes that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Well, then in our text this morning, James 2, 24, James says a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Well, which is it? Who's right? Whose side are you on? Before we answer that question, it's important that we, that we not only hear Tom Carson's fatherly wisdom, but we take heed to it. So here's what Tom Carson said. He said, Son, a text without a context is a pretext for a proof text. Clear as mud? A text without a context is a pretext for a proof text. If you don't understand what that means it means a proof text is not a positive thing. A proof text is when we want to pull something, we want to lift something out of Scripture, take it out of its context, and use it for our own purposes. So we're on fertile ground to do this this morning, aren't we? People have done that throughout church history. You can lift James 2.24 out of its context, and you can say, James says it clearly right here, faith apart from works is dead. One's not justified by faith alone. One is justified by works. James and Paul are in clear contradiction. Can't you see? It's right here in the text. Well, Tom Carson, he wants to help us. He wants to say, no, 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 no. This morning, what we want to do is that we want to read this passage in light of its context. And for us as a church, it shouldn't really surprise us as we have studied James, as we have understood the goal that the the context of who he was teaching to, the context of who he was writing to, this would make sense to us what he has to say in this paragraph. Alexander Ross, he took heed to Tom Carson's wisdom. He read James to our passage this morning, in light of context. And this is what he has to say about it. He says that James and Paul, they're not antagonists. They're not facing each other with crossed swords. They stand back to back. They're confronting different foes of the gospel. They are confronting different foes of the gospel. They're not fighting against one another. They're fighting with each other, but they're fighting against different enemies. They're fighting against different circumstances. Although they do appear to be in conflict, the problems and the vantage point in which they're addressing is different. So once we see and recognize this, James is not contrasting two ways of salvation, one of faith and one of works, but two kinds of faith, one which saves and one which does not. One which is genuine and one that is not. James is teaching it's not contradictory to Paul's, it's complementary. It's complementary to Paul's. James is not arguing for faith plus works, he's arguing for faith at work. He's arguing for to see our faith at work. Recall, James is battling with hypocrisy. As Bill hammered away last week, people are deceiving themselves. People are deceived, and James cares about them and wants them to see it. And so he's addressing it head on. You can can almost feel like the letter has been building up to this point, but don't forget where the letter began. Recall in chapter 1, verse 18, this is, this is what James says. He says, The speaking of God, of God's own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. What James is saying there is that it's God who brought us forth. It's God who made us alive. Faith began with God. The new birth, the miracle of regeneration, it didn't start with man. It started with God. And so what James is saying is, have you really experienced the new birth? Have you been made alive? Do you have this living faith? And now James, is he's, he's going to put his cards on the table. He says, here we go. We're going to hit this head on. We're going to talk about this. And so th- these are the comments that he has to make this morning. Here's how I feel about faith without works. He says it's dead, verse 17. Faith apart from works, it's useless. Faith without works, it's like a dead corpse. Am I clear enough? Am I getting my point across? If I could say, if I could just capture what James is teaching us this morning in a sentence, this is what I would say. I would say genuine faith manifests itself through works. That's what I would say. Very simple. Genuine faith manifests itself through works. Two points that we're going to unpack this text. The first, barren belief saves no one. Barren belief saves no one. James, he begins this section with asking two questions. And these two questions, they set the stage for the rest of the text. So we want to get these questions. We want to understand what James is saying here. What the questions are asking. Who is asking the question. So let's look again. Look back at verse 14. He says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, that's important, If someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can that faith save him? So it's important to understand what type of faith is James going to be talking about. It's a faith that someone says they have. It's a profession of faith. It's a claiming faith. Can that faith save them? James' questions are actually rhetorical in nature. The way that he wrote it in the original, it, you're expecting a negative response. And so James, he's not really questioning or considering what this person is saying. He realizes that they're wrong. But he's going to walk them through why they are wrong. So he begins with answering these questions with an illuminating illustration. He begins... By pointing them to a situation that would be relevant to them in their church. He talks about an individual who comes across, in verse 15, a brother or sister. It's important to note that in verse 15. He says, if you came across a brother or sister who was poorly clothed, who didn't have daily means, and you just walk past them. You just see them and you walk past them. And you say, be warm. And well fed. It's like us saying, bless your heart. Similar to what we say, bless your heart. And then you just move on. James follows this question with the right question. What good is that? What are you doing with that? Does that really meet the needs of that person? Do you really care about that person? Are you moved, but then you keep walking because you don't really meet any of their needs? What good is that? Your words are empty. What you say is empty. See, what James is saying is that a genuine faith, it produces action. Right? A genuine faith. Genuine compassion is not just a feeling, but genuine compassion leads to action. and not only wants to say words of consolation, but it wants to meet the need of the individual. So he's saying that to to see this brother or sister who's in the church, who's in the family of God, to truly have faith, to truly show that you have genuine faith is to meet their needs. But to see them and to see them in their condition and just to say, bless your heart and continue to walk. That faith is dead. Your faith is showing nothing from your works. This is what John says, 1 John 3, 17 says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? That's the question, that's what James is saying. You see this person, you see this brother or sister. This isn't a stranger. This isn't someone just that you don't know. This is a brother or sister. This is a member of your church. This is someone that you love, family of God. And yet you don't provide them with anything. What does that reveal? What does that say about your faith? What does that say about what you truly believe? Remember, what did Bill say? In our message last week, what is it to keep the royal law of God? What is it? It's to love your neighbor as yourself. Is this person keeping the royal law of God? Are they really loving this person as themselves? Is their faith in Christ, their belief in Christ, is it really leading them to want to love this person, to sacrifice for this person, to meet the needs of this person? What... What did Jesus say in John 15? How will the world know that we are His disciples? He said, by our love for one another. By our love for one another. And so in this moment, this this person who says they have faith, who says that they're following Jesus, it's a moment where they can show the world, where they can testify to the world that I follow Christ because when I see a brother or a sister in need, My heart, my new heart that God gave me, it moves toward that person. I want to move toward them. I want to meet their needs. I don't want to just meet their needs. I want to sacrifice. I want to give of myself because I've been reconciled to God. Because I know the love of God. I've seen and tasted the love of God. After this illuminating illustration, James then continues to another objector in verse 18. He kind of, he's, this is kind of a laissez-faire guy. James, buddy, hey, it's okay. You have faith. You got the gift of faith. You, you know, I got the gift of works. You got one, I got the other. We're still Christians, right? You got this gift of faith, you believe. I've got this gift of works. We're okay, right? We're good. James' response to this person essentially is, Brother, talk is cheap. You say you have faith. You say that you believe. Well, show me your faith by your works. I'm going to show you my faith by my works. You show me your faith apart from your works. Go ahead, show me. Show me that you believe apart from your works. Talk is cheap to James. Talk was cheap for my coworker Larry, as well. When I, when I lived in Louisville um, with my wife, worked at a vending machine company, really built my resume, and uh, worked in the warehouse, and I loved working there. I loved getting out of seminary world, and just working with my hands, and working with blue-collar guys. I loved it. And these guys knew that I was in seminary, wanting to be a pastor, and so that led to all kinds of questions and interactions that I loved. Um, And there was one individual, Larry, and Larry and I hit it off, and we would hang out some outside of work. Um, We'd go to Buffalo Wild Wings and watch sporting events, and invite him to church, and He would ask me questions. But then there was one incident that happened. I was at a Starbucks. I was studying. And then I got a text. Larry would include me in his friend text and send me stuff. And I got an inappropriate text. Got it. Saw it. Deleted it. And then something kind of hit me. I'm going to have to talk to this guy about this. I did not want to follow up with him. I, did just, I kind of wanted to brush it under the bridge. But I knew I have to talk to him. Because I don't want him sending me more of this stuff. And I don't want to communicate that I'm okay with him sending me that stuff. And so I had to pray and prepare. I was just like, okay, what am I going to say? How is this going to go? So I called Larry and I just told him, hey, brother, Thanks please don't send me that, no more, talk through it. Well, Larry's response has stayed with me to this day. He's, he, he said, well, yeah, bro, I, just, I was trying to fill you out. I was trying to see where you were at. This is, this is what he said. Just trying to see where you're at. You know, I've, I've seen you talk, I've seen how you act at work, but I, just, I wanted to send this to you to kind of see where you really were, if you were okay with it. If you were going to be okay with what I sent you. You see, talk, my, I had had all kinds of conversations with Larry. We had talked about things. He knew what I was doing. But what, Larry, what meant more to Larry was not just what I was saying to him, but in that moment, how I responded to that. That I was not okay with that. That it wasn't just the things that I said I truly believed. And he saw that I truly believed him by how I lived, by how I responded. And brothers and sisters, we have a world that is watching us, don't we? We have a world that is watching us. What a time to be a Christian. What a time to be a genuine Christian. What a time to not only share what we believe, but live it out. What a time to be in a church where we love one another, where we sacrifice for one another, where where when the world comes in, they don't just hear, they're hearing the truth preached and proclaimed and believed, but they're seeing it lived out in the way that we live. Because we genuinely believe it. Because we're showing them our faith by our works. for all the dads and the grandfathers. What our kids, what our grandkids need more than ever is to see, yes, we need to teach them, but we also need to show them. We need to show them that we love Jesus. We need to instruct them. We need to point them to God's word. We need to preach the gospel to them, but we need to show them that we truly love this God. That we that in, our, in our humility towards them, in our love for them, in our Joyfully dying every day to serve their mom. To serve them. To go and repent whenever we sin. To show them that we truly believe that we are sinners. To truly believe that that we need Jesus. To show them that we love church so much that Sunday is a guarded day for us. Because we love Jesus. Because Jesus is our life. Because there's things that we're going to do and there's things that we're not going to do. You know why? Because we love Jesus. And so our kids, they're not only going to be hearing and and listening, but they're going to be seeing. And as they see, what they're going to see is that they really believe this stuff. They really believe it. It's really changed their lives. Dads and granddads, let's lead in that. Let's lead in that. James, he concludes by showing and and saying that, yes, even the demons believe. So, yes, you can have faith, but you can still be a demon, like a demon. You can still have true belief. The demons believe that God is one. The demons, when they saw Jesus, knew exactly who Jesus was. They knew who he was more than the disciples at times. But they were still demons. Their belief, their mental ascent, even their profession. Even when Jesus came and they would, I mean, Jesus had to tell them, be quiet. Quit talking. I don't want people to hear. I'm not ready to to reveal who I am yet. They They were testifying to who Jesus was, but they were still demons. James says that they shudder that they knew who, the character of God and it even affected their they shuddered Brother are you even shuddering before the character of God Does thinking about the holiness and the majesty and the grandeur of God does it cause you to shudder Because when I hear you talk it's just you just kind of laxadaisical. you're just kind of I got my faith and I'm good to go my life doesn't really matter have you really bend the knee? Have you really entrusted? Has your faith really led you to give your life? Because all I hear right now are empty words. You can talk all you want. You can talk all you want. But show me. Show me. Charles Milton said this, It's, good. it's a good thing to possess an accurate theology, but it is unsatisfactory unless that good theology also possesses us. It's a good thing to possess an accurate theology, but it's unsatisfactory unless that good theology also possesses us. James now, he moves on. He moves on. He's going to ask the question now. All right, are you ready? Do you want me to prove to you? Are you ready for this? I'm going to prove to you that faith apart from works is useless. I'm just, just going to show you. Literally, that word for useless is a workless faith. little play on words. I'm going to show you your workless faith is useless. So this will lead to our second point. Two testimonies of living faith. Two testimonies of living faith. Two, James, he provides two testimonies, accounts of what real and genuine faith looks like. He begins by, by pointing their attention to Abraham. Now remember, this is a congregation who was the large part were Jewish Christians, so they would have been familiar with Abraham. I'm imagining when they first heard Abraham, they're like, yeah, 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 Abraham. He believed. He's the man of faith. But he still points them to Abraham because he wants to show them these connections that they may have missed. So he begins by taking them back to Genesis 22. He begins by taking them back to the point To where God had provided Abraham and Sarah with a son miraculously and made a promise that that Abraham was going to be a great nation. He was going to grow, be a great nation. But then, after providing this child, in Genesis 22, God calls Abraham to sacrifice his own son. Calls him to sacrifice his own son. So the day arrived. Abraham and Isaac are together. And uh, Abraham takes his son, leaves back a servant, takes up his son. They have the wood, the fire, and the knife. But they don't have a sacrifice. They don't have a lamb. And Isaac turns to his dad and says, Dad, we don't have a sacrifice. Where's the lamb? And Abraham tells his son, God will provide. My son, God will provide. And so Abraham, he's he's obeying God. He's he's, he's trusting God. He he puts his son on the altar. He's putting the sticks on there. He raises the knife, and God says, stop! And God tells Abraham, now I know, Abraham, that you truly believe me. Now I know, Abraham, that you truly believe me. You see, God, he he didn't need to know. This is one of those moments where we're trying to understand the mind of God. God knew that Abraham had believed. But what he was trying to show is that Abraham's belief, it was solidified. What what showed Abraham, what showed us this morning as we read our Bibles, what showed us that Abraham truly believed? was that he was willing to obey He was willing to risk it all because, like he told his son on the way up there, my God will provide, son. My God will provide, and his God did. So, James, he begins there. He takes us there, but then, in the following verses, he then takes us back even further in time. He takes us back to Genesis 15. So you see, verse 22, Abraham, um, James wrote, you see that Abraham's faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. It was brought to maturity by his works. Abraham was believing God throughout that whole process with Isaac. And now, in verse 23, James writes, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as Righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. So, this chronologically, James began in Genesis 22. Now he's going back in time. He's going to a a time that happened before his, his son being sacrificed 30 years. Let's go back another 30 years to Genesis 15. And this is where Abraham, he's still wrestling. Like, he's still questioning. Like, I followed this God, he's called me out for my people. He said that I'm going to have a son, but my wife is old. I'm old. What the heck is going on? God brings him out of his tent. He says, Abraham, look up at the stars. Come here. Just look up. Just take a look. He said, I'm going to make you into a nation that's as many as these stars. And in that moment, it says what what is here in James' text. Abraham, believe God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called, and what's amazing, just briefly, that Abraham was called a friend of God. Isn't that staggering? I think it's one thing for us to say that, yeah, I'm, I'm friends with God. But for God, for God, to say that he's friends with us is staggering. So James, he he takes us back. He's, He's saying that Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. And he says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Okay, wait, what? What's going on there? You see that a person is justified by works, but not by faith alone. What is is James doing? Well, you see that in Genesis 15, 6, Abraham was declared righteous before God. He believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. He was justified before God. Declared. It was his initial. God did that in his life. First time that someone believed God in the Old Testament, God brought about belief to Abraham. And then he waited 30 years. And then God wanted to test Abraham. God wanted to say, Abraham, I want to see if you can really, if you really believe if you really have faith in me. And in that moment. When he was willing to offer his son. Isaac. On the altar. And he came down and God said stop. What James is saying. Is that Genesis 22. Reveals. That what happened in Genesis 15.6. Is real. That. That Abraham's work of being willing to trust God so much that he's willing to sacrifice his son, that it proves, it proclaims, it vindicates that what happened in Genesis fifteen six actually happened. That Abraham actually believed God. That Abraham actually had a genuine faith. And so what, what James is saying here is that When he says that it wasn't by a faith alone in verse 24, remember, what faith is he talking about? Verse 14, it's a faith that you say you have. It's a claiming faith. It's a faith that is a mere profession of faith. That's who he's talking to, that's who he's addressing. He's not thinking about Paul. He's not thinking, that's not, he's thinking about his church that he loves. And he's thinking about the people who are being hypocrites, who are deceiving themselves, who are saying that, oh, I believe, I, have, I am righteous before God by faith alone. That's who he has in mind. And their lives look nothing like a Christian. Their lives look nothing like what God has for God's people. And we've read about it. True religion is what? It's, it's loving the poor. It's, it's loving widows. It's loving orphans. It's not showing par. It's holding your tongue. There's all these evidences that we see with genuine faith. So what we see with Abraham is that he had a genuine faith. How? How do I know? Because he was justified by his works. That he was willing to trust God enough. What Hebrews 11 tells us is that he believed that God could raise him from the dead. That's the kind of faith he had. He's willing to, in that moment, I believe you enough that That I am going to sacrifice my own son, knowing that, God, you're going to provide. I'm willing to give up that which was most precious to me. The son that you gave me. The son that you promised to me. I'm willing to believe that you're going to provide. Because i got real faith. i got the real thing. I'm willing to do those hard things that you're asking me to. I'm willing to obey you without question. Abraham got up and he followed God. May we be like Abraham. May we believe. We have another example that Abraham, that James, sorry, provides. Verse 25. And in the same way, Was not also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? It's amazing what we have here. So James, he's gone from Abraham, the patriarch, part of the people of God, the first Jew, to Rahab, prostitute. Gentile, full spectrum, full spectrum. There's no there's there's no partiality here. No partiality here. Get both spectrum here. So Rahab, how did she show that she was justified? Well, if you remember, this is in Joshua 2 and people of Israel, they're about to enter into the promised land, and they send out spies. And then the king hears that there's spies in the land, and they're wanting to capture these spies, and they're going to try to find out what's going on. They're going to try to discover the plans of the people of Israel, and they're going to try to stop them from entering the promised land. But there was Rahab. Rahab, when you read Joshua, what she says is, these spies come into her room in the wall and she hides them so she hides them why does she hide them well when you read joshua what it says is that rahab had heard stories rahab had heard stories about a god who set a people free who was able to separate the waters, separate the red sea that he was able to destroy these kingdoms she's she had heard about this god she had heard stories about this god it talks about that when she had heard these stories and she heard about this God, that those stories melted her heart. Her heart was changed. When when faith came into her life, when faith came into her heart, it softened it. And she believed in this God. How did she show that she truly believed? Well, when opportunity came. When opportunity came, when these men entered to her room, and then the king's soldiers came into her room. Think about that. She can help these spies who she's really not going to gain much. Or she can help the king's men. She can help the kingdom. She can help the soldiers. She can get a good word in with the people. Who does she pick? Where does her loyalty lie in that moment? Who does she love? Who does she trust? And so she protects the spies. She protects God's people. You know why? Because she really believed in God. Because she had a genuine faith that the God of Israel that she had heard about was real, and she wants them to be, she wanted to be a part of that people. So what did she want? Save me. Bring me into your family. When you come, I know you're coming, and I know your God. He's gonna win. I've heard of his stories. He can part the waters, he can destroy the kingdoms, he's gonna win. I want to be with that God. So when you go, you tell your, you tell your God, you tell your people about me. You tell them what I did for you. You tell them about that I rescued you, and you come and you get me because I want to be with you. That's the type of faith. That is genuine faith. In the moment where you have the options, it's either A or B. You either go with God, you make the sacrifice, and you trust Him, or you don't. That reveals where's our faith? Is it living? Is it genuine? Who do we trust? I mean, isn't it clear? James, he's not arguing for faith plus works, is he? He's not arguing for faith plus works. What, what he's doing is, is he's telling of the salvation of the Lord. What he's telling is that the same God that saved and called Abraham is the same God who called And saved Rahab the prostitute. That he is a God that saves and that justifies. And how do I know that he he has saved me? That he has justified me? Well, read their stories. Hebrews 11. It's called the the hall of faith. But really you could say it's the hall of works too. Because it's not just just about an account of people who had a lot of faith and believed by mere speaking. It's that their belief led to incredible action. You know who's in that? Abraham and Rahab. And it testifies not just to how they believed, but what they did, how their their belief, how their faith moved them to act, moved them to work. And so on that last day, they're going to stand before God and God's not, he's going to hear both their profession of faith and he's going to look and he's going to see. Oh, yes, yes, you are declared righteous because of Christ and Christ alone by faith alone. But it's by a faith that is not alone. When I look at your life, what I see is that you have truly believed. You have truly loved the least of these. You have loved me. You have loved my people. It's going to declare. It's going to confirm. It's going to vindicate that they had genuine faith. A couple of mistakes that I want to keep us. One day, we live in a day and age, and I'm sure you could be doing this right now. You were thinking of other people that were worried about their faith. I got, I got family, I got friends, I got co-workers. Man, I'm so worried about them. I don't know. And that's good. We need to reach those people. We need to preach the gospel to them. But James isn't writing to those people. James, he's writing to the church. James, is, this, this text, this purpose is not for mission. It's for the reformation of the church. Now, I guess that's, it helps the mission. But what James has in mind is that he's thinking about us right now in this room, who are part of the church. He wants us to look into the mirror of God's Word that he talked about earlier. He says, what do you see? What do you see? When you look, when you, when you really consider, he's given us things to look at. He's given us things to consider. He's like, I'm not leaving you empty-handed. When you look at your life and your faith, yes, you can, you can articulate all the right things. You can say all the right things. I did that. I, I could articulate all the right things, but I was lost. But when I looked into the law of God, I saw that I needed Christ because my life was proclaiming something totally different. And God rescued me. That's what we have for you this morning. You don't need to do more. What you need to do is to confess that you don't have genuine faith. You need to turn to the God who rescues. The God who saves sinners. The God who saves kings. The one who saved the patriarch and also the prostitute. You come to him and he will save you. He will call you his friend. Jesus Jesus said that I came not just to call you servants, but I came that I might call you my friends. Sinners have a friend in Jesus. And for those of us, this this is a moment where we can gain assurance and thank God, because our faith, our genuine faith, did not begin with us, but it began with Him. Because we were dead, but He made us alive. And now we get to go from here, and we have fresh vision and vigor. To work for God. Not because we need acceptance from Him, but because we have all the acceptance we need. Because He has given us a faith. And we get to live for Him. And let's do that for His glory and our joy. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I, do, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for this letter. I thank You that, that You have revealed Yourself, that You love us enough, that You gave us the Bible. Thank you that James penned this letter through the power of the Holy Spirit that we might look into the mirror of your word this morning and that you might show truth to us. That you might reveal truth about yourself and truth about ourselves. And Lord, I do, I pray that you would bring salvation to this place for those who are deceived, Lord, for those who know all the right answers but their life is not in conformity, is not looking the same as a Christian as your word says. I pray that you would rescue them Help us, Lord. Help us, Father, to, to continue. Strengthen our faith. Strengthen our faith, Lord. Give us joy. Help us now as we sing and as we go from this place, Lord, that we are declaring that we believe in You. And in moments where we were question mark may arise, may we be like Abraham and say, my God will provide. And that we would trust You. Pray all these things in Christ's name.